Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning, everyone. We are live on Podbean. Good morning. Wednesday morning, live every morning on Podbean. Uh, download the app and you can join us live and call in, win some cool prizes. Uh, everybody's just rushing in here. Um, I love that. I love seeing everybody rushing in live every morning, just waiting for the six o'clock. Happy hump day, Wilson. Oh, I think the big topic this morning is the uh, is the comet slash fireball that... Uh, <laughs> It crashed into uh, Edmonton and Leduc area last night. Wayne was just trying to talk to me. I'm like, hold on. I'm just watching this fireball fall from the sky. Yeah. Apparently, there was a big flash of light last night um, being reported in Edmonton and, and Leduc. And a big and boom. And, and then a big sonic boom afterwards. So they're trying to figure out what it was. Very likely a comet. But uh, yeah, it's big news this morning. <laughs> Not a whole heck of a lot of news other than a bunch of doorbell cams that caught it on video so watching uh watching a dash cam it actually looked pretty cool oh you a dash cam yeah well that's all right mm-hmm. neat it's pretty clear very cool very cool um let's go through upcoming events real fast uh gabby's real uh women's real estate investing uh mastermind is coming up here january 12th if you're a woman and you want to join a group of other women um for a really really amazing uh well-organized um Real Estate Investing Mastermind, uh, reach out to Gabby, DM yep. her, yep. email us, info at REI Morning Show. Follow the link in my social media accounts. Yeah. 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 And then we also have the Real Estate Investing Cabinet Retreat coming up. Uh, next one available um, to join is February 25th to 27th. That's a three-day Real Estate Investing Cabinet Retreat in Alberta Beach. Really, really amazing weekend if you're looking to level up and uh, take your real estate investing Um and that's the next level. I think it's more, it's, it's a planning weekend. It's yeah. education and it's planning. Um, if you're feeling lost, you're stuck in analysis paralysis, you don't know what to do. You don't know what you want. You don't know how to get there. That's a weekend of, uh, of clarity with Gabby and I and a small group of other ambitious yeah. investors. And if so, you have a spouse, bring them. Super yes. important to get on the same page. And um, even if they're not into real estate investing, it's uh, eye-opening for them for what you're doing, what it takes, all that kind of stuff. You can mm. hash out a plan together. Yeah, especially if you're if you're spending a whole weekend planning out what you're going to be doing with real estate investing and what you're going to be, you know, what your life's going to be like, you should probably have your spouse there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, So and, and spouses come for free. There's no extra charge for spouses. Mm-hmm. So um, the link there is in the show notes. Or just reach out to us. Um, it's pretty easy to find. Um, what else we got on the go, Gab? We should have a kitchen in place at our flip today. We should? <laughs> yeah. They started yesterday and they said it can take uh, two days and I haven't heard anything since yesterday. So, Well, I, I got a meeting at 10 a.m. in the city and then afterwards I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nearby. So I'm going to swing by there and go take a peek. Yes. And uh, Send pictures. What's that? <laughs> Send me pictures. I will. I will. And then afterwards I'm headed over to, to uh, Barry McGuire's office again. You know, I should... By now, I think I should be getting a parking pass. At, at I was going to say, we should possibly just move downtown. Like, is there an apartment building nearby? I'm spending way too much time <laughs> there. But that's a good thing, right? Yes. Sign in docks. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to talk to Barry, see if I can get a new parking Yeah, as pass. long as it's not for like litigation, we're all good. <clears throat> true. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, actually, speaking of litigation, but not speaking of litigation. Um, all right. right. <laughs> uh, we may have a guest this morning um, calling in about evictions. Mm. Um, she may show up. She may not show up. Hard to say. It's really tough getting up at that 6 a.m. And I don't know if she's going to be able to do it. Yeah, especially but, with kids. Um, yeah, someone reach out about um, a possible eviction. Um, I guess she purchased a new property and uh, inherited tenants. <laughs> and uh, the tenants never paid December. And, and now she's just going through the whole process of how to evict. Um, so I told her to hop on. Give us a call this morning. Ask and questions. We, and ask questions. We can get through it. Same thing with you guys. If you guys have ever got any issues like that, feel free to call in every morning. We talked about this uh, in great length yesterday. Um, this is an open platform. We broadcast live every morning on Podbean so that you can call in and and talk about what you got going on and what you're struggling with. And 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 hey, even your your wins. Feel free to celebrate them live in front of everyone else and and um, hopefully help motivate others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good way to start the day. And uh, I was thinking about it afterwards as well. You know, if I were in your shoes, I would literally be calling in every day with whatever was bugging me. You know what I mean? <laughs> with whatever was holding me back. You, you guys would probably get really annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Wayne again. Um, you know, cause I, I would get my questions answered every morning and I would figure out what I'm going to do for the day and then I would go do it. And then the next day I come back with whatever, you know, troubles or whatever Came barriers I ran before. into yeah. and then I break them and then I go and do it again every day. So feel free to take advantage of that. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, if anything else, like just having a sounding board, like yeah. I can imagine for you, Wayne, like that's one of the hardest things for you is that like. Just like often you just want to talk through stuff and I'm busy with other stuff and like half listening and it's frustrating for you. So just to be able to like call somebody and they're on the other line and listening and helping. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I had a discussion with someone uh, yesterday um, after that podcast and a couple of people actually um, all very similar comments in that they were a little too, they didn't want to call in with um, beginner questions, you know, grassroots questions. And I said, no, actually, that's exactly what we want. Yeah. Um, me rambling on about how to structure, you know, VTB slash RTO slash AFS with commercial finance and corporation and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, adding all, all these complicated, you know, creative combinations. They're cool and all, and they're exciting and they show you the possibilities. But at the end of the day, um, most of the people that are listening are, are, are just, they're stuck at what type of property should I buy and how do I know if it's a good deal? Yeah. And we need to go through that stuff. That, that stuff. And, and I need to know what it is that, you know, you guys are struggling on so I can help you specifically to help you get through that. That's what I want to see. I want to see everyone just buy at least one property and start going through those, um, 
know, start going through the process of finding tenants and, and getting shitty tenants and <laughs> evicting tenants and never having that type of tenant ever again. And, and then, or knowing what to do next time. And yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause that's just, you, I could tell you everything, but at the end of the day, you know, you do need to experience it yourself. Um, as well, um, finding deals, <clears throat> You know, I've been talking a lot about uh, with a few people about potentially doing something here in Edmonton, um, maybe a little mastermind uh, or a masterclass, some sort of a meetup talking about how to find deals and how to analyze deals and off market stuff. So we're talking about that, too. So if that's something you're interested in, you know, feel free, call in or even send a message in the in the chat. We can talk about that. Got a caller coming in here. Awesome. Is that call? Yeah. Hello? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, you guys. Hey, uh, can you guys hear me okay? Oh, yeah, you betcha. Awesome, awesome. Hey, so uh, I'm, I'll be quick about this in case you guys do have uh, her coming on. Um, but I've been pondering on something uh, based on a conversation I had with a friend about two days ago. And... It's just like, I, I'm not really sure what to do. Um, and it's, we had a discussion uh, and he's, he's a pretty adamant go-getter investor here in the city. Uh, he's pretty new, um, but he's been doing big things, right? Now, the conversation that we were having was about taking that step, right? Getting getting into situations where you're not always comfortable doing, which I'm all for. Um, but it was just how he did it that I'm just, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about. Um, and he was telling me to call up every bank in, in, in like a two-day span and just get pre-approved for every credit card possible. Um, and then he said, once I get, you know, X amount of credit that I was allowed to get, um, borrow against that and get into like a an Airbnb or, or, or something like that, something that cash flows from day one that's pretty, you know, simple to set up. Um, so that way you're kind of moving into the, the, the passive income section, sector um, and not always having to worry about um, going to work, which, I mean, at this point in the winter time would be perfect for me because I kind of get laid off every winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been thinking about this and I grew up in a house with a banker mom. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of been like a swear word to do that all my life. So it's like, it really is against every bone of my body, but I know that obviously that's, you can't do that, right? Like I know you, you can't listen to your parents every, every time you want to do something. Cause it's pretty hard to move forward. So, um, I'm like, I'm, I'm all for, um, taking risks and going out and doing that. But I just wanted to see your guys' opinion, um, as to, you know, maxing out credit cards and, and then starting to borrow against it to put it into assets, you know? Uh, I just need a clarification question. Are you saying borrowing money from your credit cards to use as a down payment or to yeah. invest? Okay. Yeah. First, first things first. Um, you, you're not supposed. You're not allowed to use unsecured funds uh, for down payments. Um, so unsecured funds is like credit cards, line of credits. Um, secured funds would be like a line of credits 
on your home where you are borrowing um, credit against your the equity that you have in the property. So banks will not allow you to use uh, unsecured funds, um, you know, whether it be from an unsecured line of credit or from a, a credit card for down payments. Um, the the way around that that people um, they try and do is they'll they'll do a cash advance on their credit card and then they'll go put it in their bank account and then the bank needs to see three months worth of bank statements so they'll just have it sit there for three months and then it's like oh yeah this is my savings and then they just lie about it um, meanwhile they've got you know sixty thousand dollars on some credit card and then they have to justify that but that's that's a separate um, topic. But uh, to answer your question, to you, you can't use it for down payment funds. Um, do people do it? Yes. Is it right? No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of what I was looking for. Um, he was saying that he does like uh, what you were just saying there. Um, get, get like the, the cash out against it and then put it in his bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I was asking a bunch of questions. I was like, man, like, I, I don't know. Like, something just doesn't seems off about this. Like, I'm because the way he was explaining it to me sounded like he really had to uh, be above and beyond what you're. Uh, like, it just seemed harder than usual just to get out a little bit of money to go get a down payment. I was like, I'd rather work for an extra two months, you know, and then just have that down payment versus have that interest payment that I'm. I have no money to, to pay it off with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make arguments for both sides and I'm not going to defend this person's statement because it, I, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't recommend that people do something. Um, illegal, illegal mortgage <laughs> fraud. Um, I can't, I definitely can't, but I do believe in doing whatever it takes when you're getting started out. And yeah. on the topic of credit cards and line of credit, we used ours very aggressively, but not for down payments. I was just going to say that. I, I was going to say there's a way to utilize exactly what he's saying, but it's definitely not in the form of down payments. Yeah. So Wayne, what were you? Well, how how deep how deep of a rabbit hole can I go down, <laughs> uh, Alice? <laughs> um, I believe there's there's there's. There's a theory on, on good debt and bad debt. You've probably heard this on some podcast before. For um, sure. Um, good debt is is borrowing money and investing it and getting a return on it. Bad debt is is borrowing money and buying things that don't produce any income or that don't depreciate. Produce, that, that mm -hmm. depreciate or that don't give you a return. So, I mean, early on, um, I think we had $120,000 worth of unsecured credit. Uh, available that we would use for different renovations. Um, you know, we bought properties by way of agreement for sale and then, you know, that we renovated and we used credit cards and line of credit. Still to this day, we still use credit cards and line of credit because yeah. if you're very strategic about it, um, with balance transfer offers, you know, that different banks have, MasterCard will have a balance transfer offer, TD will have a balance transfer offer where you know you can transfer your debt over to that particular card for 0% for 10 months or 12 months. Um, if you're very strategic about that, you can actually borrow, a very, borrow that money at a very low interest rate or no interest. Um, if, you, if you have lots of different types of cards from different types of um, banks and lenders, um, that's something we 100% utilized very early on. 
where in most cases we were carrying debt at only two or three percent. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Just doing whatever it takes and, you know, using all the resources that we had available in order to get that next deal or to get, you know, finish that renovation. So to this day, as I mentioned, we still use credit cards strategically like that because why would I use my own cash or why would I borrow money for renovations when I can just put it on a credit card and balance transfer it and have it there for 0% for 10 months? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but to buy properties is not a good idea. Um, it's, well, two reasons. One, it's, it's, it's illegal. You know, it's mortgage fraud. Two, um, depending on how much, what type of product, uh, what type of property you're planning on buying, um, I'll just use a very, let's say you're buying a townhouse, and that's you know a thirty thousand dollar down payment. The interest payment on that every month, I mean, depends if it, and if it's an interest only payment or is it is it a principal and interest payment? You're looking at two hundred to five hundred dollars. A month, you know, in payments for that. Yeah. And the interest on it is going to be what? Like, oh man, you know, I'm going to pull up a calculator real fast. Depends. Like, you know, at most line of credits and credit cards, you're anywhere from 10 to 19%. There are some really good line of credits there. Um, I know for a fact, and I'll, I'll give you a hot tip RBC has an interest only. Um, is that line of credit? Yeah. Or, line of credit that's like seven percent um yeah it's (laughs) we switched rbc specifically for that and we heard that there was a seven percent line of credit unsecured and it's interest only payments but let's just use a ten percent example you know on a thirty thousand dollar um three thousand dollars a year so that's it's 250 bucks a month in interest um that you have to pay on that money plus you know, you got your mortgage payment, you got your condo fees, you got your property taxes, you got your insurance on that property. I pretty much, you know, you're not making a whole heck of a lot on that property. You got your mortgage pay down. I ask, you know, what is the intent of, of buying that property? Um, unless you got like, like your, your buddy said, um, maybe it's just a really good cash flowing Airbnb. It seems really risky to me, though. You're and over-leveraged. Are you gonna, and how is that going to get paid off? Like, are you just going to straight up take the cash flow and pay it back to the loan until it's paid off? Well, I mean, the cash flow goes to interest only. Yeah. So you're never really paying off the loan. So you're you're banking on mortgage pay down and that asset appreciating. Unless, of course, as I mentioned, you are, you're able to Airbnb that property and you're getting massive cash flow and you're starting to put some money back in your pocket every month. It's just, it seems like you're extremely over leveraged and that's why banks want to see you put 20% down so that you're not over leveraged. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but I get it. I mean, there's a lot of people that do stuff like that. There's an argument to be made that, you know, you don't have a track record, right? It's hard for people to even think about investing in you as a joint venture partner. Um, because who are you, you know? You know, yeah. How many properties do you have? How long have you been doing this? Those dumb questions. So by buying some assets and showing people through social media, it does um, really help build up your credibility and people will trust you more. But there's other ways to do it that aren't as risky. Yeah. I'd also like to know how um, he's servicing that debt when it comes to getting the mortgage approval. Oh, general. yeah. He won't be able to. There's no way. 
But if that's what he's doing, I'm just curious as to how. Um, so, yeah, well, uh, to answer that question, he was telling me he's uh, he does like a rental arbitrage for Airbnb. So he just pretty much sublets off of the um, whoever's in in that home or that property. Um, he has a conversation with the landlord to make sure like the landlord's okay with it. Um, but mm. that's how he's getting in there, just so he really is just like signing a lease. Um, and then just paying that. And then he said, uh, he, he kind of chooses where the, where the property is so he can, when he gets his money off his cash flow, um, he can service his debt as well as put maybe a hundred bucks or 200 bucks in his pocket. Yeah. Um, which he said has been working well for him, but I know not everything works for everybody. Right. Yes. Okay. I didn't know this is rental arbitrage. That's a little bit different. Um, yeah, because he's not getting a mortgage. Yeah, he's probably using that money to um, to stage, stage it for an Airbnb. Stage. Yeah. Yeah. Because it costs about twenty thousand dollars to stage a, a property um, with furniture and stuff. Okay. So um, for those of you who, who really don't know uh, what rental arbitrage is, is what it is. You reach out to a landlord and say, Hey, I'm a Airbnb host. I would like to rent this from you. I will rent it and I will pay the rent and I'll be responsible for all repairs and maintenance. And, and you write up a really good lease agreement and, and I'm going to rent it for this many years. And, and the landlord thinks, okay, this is a, this is a, a professional. I'm not dealing with some person on, you know, um, some sort of income support, finally a good professional tenant, um, uh, that's going to pay me and it's going to take care of the property. And, uh, and they see it as a very low risk. And in a lot of cases, you can actually, you can negotiate a, a lower rent um, by, you know, because you're a business and you're sophisticated. And then what Sakaya or the, um, the, the, the tenant is going to do is they're going to turn around and re-rent it on uh, for short-term rentals for um, whatever, Airbnb. And so you're going to be paying, say, $1,300 a month in rent, but your revenue is going to be $3,000 a month. Now, you're going to have some expenses to operate your Airbnb business, but the cash flow for Airbnb is significantly higher on average, not every month, but on average over a period of a year. Um, so instead of getting mortgage pay down, uh, what you're going to be getting is a significantly higher cash flow. Um Bit of a riskier game uh, if you don't know what you're doing. I'm curious, uh, and I don't want you to give out too much information that uh, only what you're comfortable with. But is this person someone that's a professional that teaches how to do this, or is this someone that, um, <clears throat> that has gotten any training? Um, he's gotten some training from um, some friends of his that have about 19 Airbnb units, mm -hmm. um, but. He's not like, uh, he doesn't do it professionally or anything like that. No. <clears throat> He's mainly focused on other avenues of uh, real estate. But um, this is, he just got a couple properties just so um, he doesn't have to worry about uh, nickeling and diming every f project that he does. Just so he can, you know, if something goes wrong, he still has money to pay for rent and groceries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know of someone that teaches um, rental arbitrage in Calgary. That's why I asked. And I, again, I don't want to be calling anyone out, but I've also heard about some some people that have been burned in Calgary um, very recently over some training um, and some partnerships with said people. Um, okay. So definitely do your diligence on this and, and who you're talking to. It just sounds like someone just, just, just having a, a quick little chat with you and say, hey, man, you should try this. Um, yeah, unless, yeah. of course, they're trying to partner with you, then then I would look even closer. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was more so just like a, um, just, just like a little conversation, right? Just something to, to think on. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I really wanted to ask you guys that and just pick your guys' brains about it. But uh, I appreciate you guys' answers, and that definitely helps me out a lot. Yeah, I, I do want to go back to that credit and um, borrowing thing, the good debt, bad debt. But I'm just going to make one last mention for anyone who listens to this or for yourself, Sakaya. Um, just just reach out to a few people within the, the Calgary community and ask about rental arbitrage. And, and um, I'm sure a few people have a couple stories because I know that lots of people are doing it there. Um, and just do your diligence. And um, and maybe it, might, maybe it may be a really good option for you. Um, but you're going to want to talk to someone who's who's done it successfully and not someone who's just trying to partner up with you or yeah. sell you some course or something along those lines because they're going to yeah. have a different opinion and a bias. Yeah, um, Very true. But as far as, like, again, on credit cards and line of credit and stuff like that, I, I personally do believe in using whatever resources you have in the beginning. Um, if you have proper training and you are 100% all in, Sure. You know, use a credit card to, to pay for a course or use a credit card to, you know, pay for those renovations. Um, you know, go borrow, go use the the Calvert, you know, mortgage, the $10,000 down mortgage and, and do a flip. You know, if you've got access to, uh, you know, line of credit funds. Um, I, I, I think that just getting in the game is, is, is better than just watching. Um, if you're not into that, then the other alternatives for getting started are, you know, finding joint venture partners and, and what you're doing, Sakai, I think is fantastic is you're a, you're a wholesaler in Calgary and, you know, you're going out and you're finding deals and you're negotiating, you're learning all about the market in, um, in, in Southern Alberta. And, you know, you're becoming an expert by, 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 by wholesaling. And at the same time, you're also making cash and building up your capital, um, for your first deal. So if you continue to keep marketing yourself like that on Facebook and Instagram and everything else, people are going to take notice to that and they're going to see that you are an expert. Um, so if, if you don't have the money to buy properties out of the gate to show people that you're an expert, sometimes wholesaling is a really good alternative mm-hmm. to, uh, for to build sure. up your, your trust. Yeah. For sure. I appreciate um, that. Also not to mention the fact that if you find a really good deal, there's no reason why you can't reach out to friends and family and say, hey, you know, I got this really amazing deal in, in South Calgary or Northeast Calgary. And, um, you know, it's going to make this much profit. Would you guys like to get involved? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that is true. That is true. Why not? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. If it's a good right? deal. Why, why not? not? Why not ask a friend or, or cousin or, you know, family member, mom and dad, hey, it's going to profit $40,000. You know, all I need from you is the $10,000 for, uh, for the, you know, the, the Calvert mortgage and, I'll obtain the financing and, and you guys, you know, I'll, I'll, whatever, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Anything yeah. to get that first deal. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's exactly it. That's, that's beautifully said. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for calling in, uh, Zakaya. Um, yeah. you like coffee? Uh, yeah, man. I love coffee. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, it's growing on me, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to become a big boy every day, you know, slowly, <laughs> slowly but surely. Hey, man, you can get a peppermint mocha if you want to. It's no big deal. Thank I'm not here to judge. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to keep you warm out there. Um, exactly. Gabby will reach out to you and uh, she'll, she'll send you um, a Starbucks or Timmy's car, whatever you're going to do, bud. Awesome. Thank you. 
No worries. Hey, Thanks also, so just before uh, just before I go, I just wanted to say um, I reached out to my lawyer, and uh, they just said about that whole um, title situation, about that property, mm-hmm. um, yep. he said to include a condition clause pending updated land titles registration reflecting new subdivision, and then you should be good to go. So Beautiful. I threw nice. that in there, and uh, yeah, we're good to go now. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, how is that going? Um, um, any, any luck? Uh, I've had a couple people reach out. Some people are just going over and looking at it. Uh, the only problem is, is like, it's in a small town, right? So, um, I, I knew that when I put it under contract, it would have to be at a good price. So, I mean, like it's under 120,000. So, I mean, for it's, it's, it's very chewable for the average day investor. Um, but it's, it's in a, a market that's not terribly well known. So a lot of people are skeptical about it, right? Fair enough. Um, did you want to, because there may be some people who haven't, you know, weren't on when you talked about, it, do you want to do a quick 30 second pitch just to see if anybody's interested? Uh, if you guys are willing to allow me to do that, I mean, I'm definitely not going to go for it, buddy. Anything. You got 27 <laughs> seconds. All right. Sounds <laughs> good. Well, um, <laughs> To, uh, to anybody out there that's looking for um, an affordable, you know, new new way to get into real estate here, um, I got the perfect uh, perfect place for you. I I got a bungalow out in Carstairs, Alberta, um, about 832 square feet, two bed, one bath, uh, and it's going for 118,000 all in. Um, it's market assessed around 160,000. Now, I tell everybody that's 150 because I like to be conservative. You never know. Um, the home itself is is built in 1912, so it's got some age on it. Um, it is fix, you know, flip and fixable. But um, since it's so small, I always tell people look into the option of, uh, you know, seeing what what it would to possibly rebuild and or put an addition on the home, right? Um, the house itself is in all right condition. The roof needs to be replaced, and the, the curb appeal definitely needs to be touched up. Um, but, I mean, the, the location is, like, it's right by a high school, right by the arena, like, up two blocks away from the gas station, by, like, three playgrounds, right by the highway. So, um, you know, it's... It's it's close to like pretty much all the amenities, right? And then um, awesome. I got a ton of pictures if anybody's interested in that. But yeah, that, that's pretty much what I got going on right now. Uh, conditions is until December 17th. So I got until my birthday to find a buyer. December um, 17th. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, closing dates, December 31st. Very cool. New year, new property. Exactly. <laughs> What do you well, don't miss out on this opportunity. Yes. Okay. So if you're interested in more information um, or, you know, the ARVs and comparables and that kind of stuff, just reach out to Zakaya. Zakaya, leave your um, email address and phone number in the comments for anybody listening right now. All right. Sounds good. I'll do that right now. And, and, and Tony had a question for you. You can answer that in the comments. He asked if this is the, the double lot one, the one that you're talking about. Um, yeah, it is. It's been subdivided, so it's not a double lot anymore. But okay. each lot is, um, it's like 104 feet by like 75 feet. So it's still pretty damn big. Yeah. Cool, man. 
All right. Well, thanks again for calling in. Congrats Thank on the coffee. You. Enjoy your frappuccino, whatever you decide to buy it with. <laughs> Thank Take you. Take a picture. Take a picture and tag us. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Later, buddy. All right. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Um, you know what? I'm going to take a quick little commercial break. All right. Hi, folks. Barry McGuire here. I'm inviting you to join our free Facebook group, Barry McGuire's Creative Real Estate Education. We go live every Monday discussing all sorts of creative real estate strategies. You know, nothing can match the power of learning from Canada's top creative real estate experts. We provide you with the education and tools you need to close your first damn deal. It's the most important one. Join our free group, Barry McGuire's Creative Real Estate Education, and we'll see you Monday. Okay, we are back. Um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Thank you so much again for calling in, Zakaya. Mm -hmm. um, we would have never talked about rental arbitrage. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah. We probably wouldn't have. Um, not to say there's anything wrong with it. No, it's just not something we do. Just not something we do. Yeah. Actually, there was a question. Um, Ryan asked, would you ever allow rental arbitrage? Uh, I am a... This is... Honestly? <laughs> Spit it out. <laughs> this is my business. And I want as much control over my business as possible. And I'm not a big fan of subletting. Mm -hmm. I think we may have touched on this very briefly with rent to own recently. And I would never allow a rent to own tenant buyer to, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a, I would never do it on a, on a property with a suite in the basement because I don't want them renting out the basement and having another tenant living in it. You know, I qualified this particular person. So um, that's in a, in a, on, a, on a rent to own example. But if I'm qualifying a specific person, I do not want other people living in there. And yeah, you have a lease agreement that says that it's going to cover the repairs and maintenance. But, you know, what, what if they don't? Do I really want to go to court over something like that? Over something that they didn't do? You know what I mean? To, to get yeah. those damages um, paid back? I think there's a, I think there's a type of person... <clears throat> a type of investor that it would be a great option for yes. like either an accidental landlord or somebody who can't manage their own property and is having to hire out property management. Yeah. Um, those types of situations where um, they would have like, say, say I was that person that was accepting, um, you know, somebody to do rental arbitrage on my property. I would want to know like for damn sure that they knew exactly what they were doing, that they had a, a large portfolio of this, that they have systems in place that like, I would want to see everything. I would want to see the numbers. I would want to see the systems. I yeah. would want to, I would want to know that like, they know what they're doing. I'd want to know that they were super hosts. Although I, I hear that's kind of pretty easy to obtain these days, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like they would have to have like a pretty good presentation for me to even consider it. But I think that there's definitely a person that it would be a great opportunity for, Yeah, you know, somebody who doesn't want to be managing their property or doesn't have the time or got into it by accident because they couldn't sell their house. Like those types of situations, it could be a really good out 
quote unquote for them to just know that the property is taken care of. It's nicely staged, all those types of things. It's being cleaned after every single guest. Like, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Me personally, no, um, because I want as much control over my property as possible. I want to make sure that I'm going after the person that I'm renting to and not, you know, Mm -hmm. um, exposed to, you know, 10 or 20 different guests that particular month. Yeah. It just, I cringe thinking about that. Um, I also wonder just because I don't know, but like people who do rental arbitrage or like who run their Airbnb businesses, do they carry their own, like say they were doing rental arbitrage and then my house got trashed. Mm -hmm. Does my insurance have to cover that or do they carry something as, as a a host that would see these are the things that I don't know because we don't do it. Right. But that would be a great question because yeah. We had, um, I don't remember if, oh, now I got to think back. We had um, a couple guests on it in the past talking about short term rentals. I got to look back and um, Carlos, Yana. Oh, yeah. Yana, Yana Lunas. <laughs> God damn it. Hard last name. <laughs> I, I, that's an inside joke. Um, I can't remember if we ever had Coleman on either. I, I, I remember it's so early. I got to look back. But, anyways. Yeah. Um, we can definitely look into that. That's what well. I was going to say. I was going to say, like, if Coleman approached me, I'd be like, damn, maybe. He's such a charming bugger. <laughs> well, and he's like, that's his business. Like, he's yeah. doing a damn good job at it, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, from my general understanding is that there is an insurance that Airbnb provides yeah. um, as part of the fees, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing that vaguely. But uh, if you guys do know about that, feel free to call in or, or send us an email and we can definitely, you know, continue on that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for someone who's trying to find uh, a landlord that would be willing to allow you to do that, I my thoughts were always that the, tam- the same t- types of owners that we that we would approach for an agreement, agreement for sale, sale yeah. that solution to their problem would also for a game for sales would also a great solution for that problem would also be um you know coming over as a super host and renting it from them and them not having to worry about um repairs and maintenance and so for example if someone needed to move away really quickly to the other side of the country or out of the country and they didn't have time to sell their property if you came in and said hi actually I, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. What if I rented it from you for the next three years until your mortgage term is up and I will give you, you know, we'll work out a good deal on the rent. I'll take care of all the repairs and maintenance. So you're going to give me a discount mm-hmm. and I'm going to take care of this place and I'm going to stage it. And we're going to, ha- we're going to have constantly people in here all the time, making sure that it's, you know, kept up. And if it does get trashed, I have insurance that covers it. You know, mm-hmm. that's a pretty, yeah, that sounds pretty great for someone in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. So. It is something I looked into very briefly, but uh, it I just went a different direction. I could have, we could have very well have, have gone that direction yeah. early on instead of agreement for sales. I think, I think they're both great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe I'll look back into that again and not necessarily for us, but also just for education, yeah. education. And then we can share that. Uh, we do have a guest coming on here. Um, I talked about it earlier. Aurora de Leon is coming on. Um Dealing with a, an eviction. And I think this is a, oh, uh, Aurora, you know, just uh, request to come in one more time here. I'm dealing with a 
uh, saying she's not available. It says currently Colin is disabled. There she goes. I got her. <clears throat> Hello. Good, good morning. morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? This is my first time on the show, actually. I, I didn't realize <laughs> what the format was. It was. It's really cool. Though. It was very casual and very conversational. I like it. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for hopping on and for, yeah, I think Wayne said he had a conversation with you yesterday about a situation that you're in. Yeah, um, I found myself in a situation. I kind of I kind of knew this was coming, to be honest with you. Um, we, we closed on a property uh, towards the end of November of just of this year. It is tenanted and we had an inkling that the tenant wasn't or isn't the the best tenant, just the way that mm -hmm. the property was kept and how eager the seller was to try and get <laughs> the property and the tenant and, and the making tenant. sure yeah. that, yeah, like, you know, the deal included tenancy. And um, anyway, overall, we had reasons to go ahead with the purchase. And, you know, I figured this was going to be a minor inconvenience mm -hmm. along the way of whatever it is that we wanted to do with the property. So, um Aurora, this is this is in um, Alberta and Edmonton, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, just for, just for people listening, just in case that we talk about anything specifically, you know, Ontario people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> different story. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So it's a it's a single family home in Edmonton, Alberta. They've uh, been tenants on this property for about three years. We just took possession a couple of weeks ago. And now having inherited this tenant, there's actually two of them on the lease, but I am unable to get a hold of the other individual. So only dealing with this uh, one particular fellow um, mm -hmm. on on the lease. And the lease itself was a is on a month to month. So they had an original um, term, you know, one year term that was from October 2019, expired 2020, and it just kind of went on the month to month. So that's kind of where I am at this point. And um, as per the lease, it does say that rent is due on the first and I have not received um, any of that money. And he's kind of ghosted me, you know, uh, um, I, I was able to connect with him by phone and text, I think day, day like on the second and on the third and then after that, just never heard back. So, and I don't have a relationship with him. Um, at all so that's kind of yeah I'll stop there that's kind of where my situation is at and looking at what my options are um, mm -hmm. I figured that going through the eviction process versus serving that you know termination of tenancy for substantial breach and giving them that 14 day notice that it probably is just better to just rip the band-aid off and go through that eviction process yeah <laughs> for sure um so one thing that a lot of people don't know is that you don't technically have to give them that 14 day eviction notice. Um, you can go directly to the RTDRS, which is the residential tenancy dispute resolution service and go right and file right for a hearing. Um, it's, it's a lot faster because the RTDRS prefers that you give them notice um, of a substantial breach and a 14 day eviction notice um, before you file for your hearing. Um, this way, in the event that they do catch up and they, you know, the expenses are all paid, the rent's paid, um, then, you know, you just 
tear up the eviction notice and say, okay, well, we'll continue on. You paid within the 14 days. But you can just go directly to the RTDRS and just file for a hearing. You can't, in Alberta and most provinces, you can't physically remove someone. You can't say, get out, or I'm calling um, whomever, my cousin. (laughs) Um, You have to go through the process to have a hearing at the RTDRS. You need to provide evidence of your claim, which in this case, it would be that unpaid rent. And there is never any reason, nowhere in the Residential Tenancy Act, any reason to not pay rent. Because I know that you had a, there was something, something where a neighbor was saying that they had done a bunch of repairs or something along those lines. Oh, um, yeah. Actually, he was telling me and he was showing me Mm. photos um, saying that, hey, what's going to happen with all the monies that I spent um, fixing up this house? And he was referencing (laughs) conversations with the previous um, owner and apparently Alberta Health Services had come in there and, and issued a lot of non-compliances that he, he for whatever reason, had to be the one responsible to, you know, to, to fix up and, and, oh, and wow. rectify. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, well, no clue what this is. It don't matter. Rent is still due. And um, I do need a copy of whatever this is that you're um, referencing. So um, I got pictures of like a window that he said he purchased um to make the basement window egress yeah um but then nothing from that ahs letter that i said you know i i need a copy of that and why is it going to you not to the previous owner anyway Mm -hmm. again i get fragments of the you know conversation and then he 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 disappears so Mm -hmm. I, i think long story short either he's completely just making that up or you know, he can't substantiate it. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, honestly, it just sounds like you just need to start the process. It is a process to get someone out. And the sooner you get it done, the better. So um, as I mentioned, go to the RTDRS website, um, yeah. file for a uh, hearing, and your claim would be unpaid rent. Correct, Gabby? Yes. Yeah. Um, any evidence that you have, um, pretty simple, you know, you didn't receive the rent. So he, he's not going to have any evidence to support, uh, you know, a counterclaim. Um, right. He's not going to have any evidence to show that, yes, I did pay the rent. So it's very simple, black and white. Um, and then you'll go to your hearing. Uh, here, here, I'll walk you through how it all happens, uh, how the eviction, the hearing happens. Do you, or do you want to do a cap? No, I was just going to say that um, because she just inherited these tenants that going um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going straight to the RTDRS, but the likely mm-hmm. outcome, um, given that it's a new relationship, you never served any 14-day eviction notices, mm-hmm. um, you know, like there was, there was no um, real, like, uh, background to it. Yeah. They mm-hmm. may they may just say at that point, well, like, are they caught up now? Are they going to catch up? Like, and, and kind of make you give them a chance. Okay. Whereas, mm-hmm. so like, at I think that my first step probably would have been on December 2nd to just serve the 14-day eviction notice, especially if I had an inkling that they're not going to be a good tenant based on all the stuff that you said previously. Mm -hmm. So I probably would, if it was me, I would have probably started there. And then if they caught up, 
within the 14 days, obviously you remove the the eviction notice, but mm-hmm. the next time, if January or February or March they were late and didn't it didn't pay on time, then I'd go straight <clears throat> to filing with the RTDRS because then you have a background that, look, I knew from right when I took over, right when I inherited these tenants, I knew that they were going to be a problem. This is the background of, of how poor their communication is. I can't even get a hold of the other person on the lease. Um, I don't even know if they're living there, like whatever the situation. And now you have a story. You've yeah. created a story. You've shown that you served the 14-day eviction in December. Um, yes, they got caught up, but this isn't something you're interested in in doing every month. Um, so you you have a story to tell and kind of like uh, something to guide them through to show them that this isn't going to change and that you want them mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Um, so like I said, there's nothing wrong with going straight to the RTDRS, mm-hmm. but it's just likely that they might make you give them a chance. Wayne, what, <laughs> Wayne's smiling and sighing. Oh, I, I disagree, but it's okay. <laughs> um, because I, I'm trying to get you the outcome that you want as quickly as possible. But Gabby mm-hmm. is correct in saying that they, at the end of the day, you have the right to. However, the question the adjudicator or the mediator at the RTDRS is going to ask you is, do, were you willing to work with them? Because there's going to be some sob story. I lost my job. There's no hours right now. I'm laid off. There's going to be some reason. I had all these payments. My car broke down, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're going to ask, you know, did you, did you try and work things out with them? So offering a 14-day eviction notice and giving them an opportunity to pay it back. Another option, um, I think Wilson has another option here. I'm going to let him hop in because uh, he went through this recently. Hello, hello. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. So good morning, everybody. Yes, Wayne, uh, we went through four different evictions. One of them actually ended up in court. Um, due to COVID in 2020, there are all the courts introduced a new regulation where you have to provide them with a payment uh, option. It doesn't really specify what it has to say. It doesn't say that you have to agree to it. It just says that you have to show that you had offered it, and that is before you apply to the RTDRS, and that's actually even before you give them a 14-day notice of eviction. Um, not sure if it can be done the same day, but uh, mm-hmm. you have to show that at least you, you tried a payment plan. Uh, mm-hmm. What many landlords have said is that they make the payment plan that it's um, really hard to achieve, say the rent minus $1 for the first 15 days or something like that. Um, oh really? Have to, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't specify exactly that. Okay, well, you gotta divide the rent per. Day. No, there's no rules on that. It's just you have to offer something. We, uh, I remember that because we, we had a, a similar situation, you know, during 2020 when we did that as well. However, I'm not 100. What? There's just a lot of feedback. If you want to just, um, if you would also. Oh. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to mute uh, one of you guys here. Um, there's a little bit of feedback. Um, I just muted Wilson. Uh, we had something very similar, but I'm not 100% sure that it's still applicable right now and whether it's still a requirement because that was when you weren't able to um, – that, w- that was when like people were concerned about serving eviction notices in person and can you do it by email, et cetera, et cetera, when things were, were, when things were locked well, down. Well, when we were in lockdown, yeah, yeah, and when a lot of people weren't working, which um, you know people are getting back to work now and stuff. So I assumed that the payment plan wasn't a thing anymore. Um, I could very well be wrong, though. I've 
it's not something I've looked into. What I was going to add a minute ago, um, I don't disagree. I just, I, I want to try and f- get the outcome as quickly as possible. Um, I was going to say that, and, th- and this is why it's super important to have all communications through email because you can send this email and they don't respond, you know, but, you know, to reach out to the, the tenants and offer them a repayment plan and say, hey, you know, I'd like to offer you a repayment plan. When will you be able to get me this rent by? And that's what we do all the time. Instead yeah. of serving an eviction notice, you know, we, we ask, okay, cool, I get it. When are you going to have the, the money by? And if they say, well, I should have it by the 16th. Um, if not, I'll have it all by the 27th for sure. And we're like, no, no, no. Give us a date. We need a date. If you want us to accept this repayment plan, you need to give us specific dates and specific amounts of money because we're going to hold you accountable to this. So if you want a repayment plan, you need to let us know exactly when we're going to be receiving these funds and how much. And if they can give that to us, great. Well, what we'll do is we'll just write it up in a, in, a, in, a, in a Word document and we'll sign and we'll send it off to them for signature. Great. If they don't, then we say, okay, we're going to proceed with eviction. Um, and then we have email documentation that we tried to work out a repayment plan with them and they disagreed. They would not agree to it. Or we offer them a payment plan they signed. And then when they don't make that first payment or that second payment, then we go directly to the court and we show, hey, we tried to work it out with them. They agreed to this or they didn't agree to this. And here's where we are now. And it shows that you tried. And then they will, they'll, ex, they'll expedite the eviction process much quicker. Um, because if you go in there without trying to work with them, well, then the adjudicator is going to try and motivate you to, well, would you be willing to give them another seven days? And then the tenants can be like, oh, yeah, I'll pay within seven days for sure. And then they give you a conditional judgment that says um, that you, how would they word it? It would say something along the lines of so long as the tenant pays within the seven days, the lease will continue. If they do not, then there is a judgment for the landlord that's um, they're an eviction and they need to be removed within, within like what, like three days, days after that right? or something like that. Yeah. So the more that you, you, you have evidence that you show that you tried to work with them, um, the better the chance of, of getting a quick and easy eviction. Yeah. Yes, definitely. That, that was my point. I think <laughs> show that you tried to work with them so that you have a, a backstory. But I think with you, Aurora, it's going to be a little difficult because communication probably wasn't set up through email originally. No, um, we are doing either phone conversation or texting is kind of how mm. we've um, set up our communication. Would texting, you know, be sufficient as well? You can you can uh, download a program that will extract your text conversations. But like what I it's it's not ideal. But what you can do is if you have a phone conversation followed up with a text um, outlining what right. was discussed. Um, and then if they, and if you send that and they don't say anything back, they didn't agree, but they also didn't disagree. Right. Yeah, so it's I kind know. of like confirmation that that is what was talked about. Yeah. I don't, I don't recommend right. doing screenshots of texts cause it's just really messy. And if you can imagine, yeah. um, imagine your job is a mediator slash adjudicator with the RTDRS and all day, every day you get dumb landlords and dumb tenants coming in and saying, he said this and she said that. And, and they asked, do you have any evidence? No, I don't have any evidence. Everything was through text. You could just imagine how <laughs> annoying that job is. And then when you come in with texts, screenshots, and then they're flipping through a hundred pictures, it could be really annoying. So if you come in there organized and respectful and you downloaded the program to, you know, and it's nice and neat, um, yeah. They won't, they won't be as annoyed with you. Yeah. And, and that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to go in there and just trying to say, hey, I tried. Here's the evidence. 
I really wanted to work something out, but they couldn't, you know, they didn't. And, and here's where we're at. And I think it's just best that we just, you know, um, they move on, we move on and then they find a new place and we move on with a new tenant. And if you go with that approach, it's, it's, it'll be no problem. Um, but yeah, as I was going to say, sure, go ahead, please. Oh, sorry. I just have a couple of questions because I'm, so I did file for um, an eviction with RTDRS <clears throat> yesterday, and I actually received that, you know, the two-part email uh, about the notice of hearing, application package, and then declaration of service. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got a date. It's not till middle of January. Now, my question mm-hmm. is, so Gabby um, and, and Wilson, the recommendation of A, either, you know, um, giving them a little bit more time and offering a sort of payment plan, is that something that I could still, because it's still like, what, uh, over a month till hearing date, um, that I could attempt to offer at least to the tenant, whether they take it, whether they respond, um, mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's up to them, but I could still like do that is that right yeah yeah absolutely and if say everything was resolved and they did get Mm -hmm. caught back up and now you're like oh well I have a hearing next week but technically Mm -hmm. they're paid up they paid December and January now um you can just cancel the hearing I mean you're out the 75 dollars for filing that you paid right but um but I mean the ideal situation is that your rent is paid right Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can definitely do that. And it can also add to your evidence because mm-hmm. you can submit more evidence up until I think like two days before the hearing or something like that. Okay. So if you can now further show that in the meantime, I did try to work this out with them and they still, mm-hmm. now you have that supporting evidence, right? That's what I was going to say as well. You can offer them that repayment plan right now. And and as Gabby said, Mm -hmm. you can go online and resubmit evidence up to two days before. Now, keep in mind, any evidence that you submit, you do have to serve that evidence to the tenant so that they have an opportunity to review it at least 48 hours before the hearing. So uh, you can definitely, I I would keep the date. Mm -hmm. I would, um, sorry, it does. I almost said save the date. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I would keep it and then continue to work with them and say, hey, and, and then if they don't pay the rent and they don't pay January's rent either, you've got a really mm-hmm. strong case that, you know, there's, there's no reason why they're not going to, you know, just give you the judgment that you, that you need. Um, I, if they catch up on rent, I don't know. It really depends on the outcome that you want. If they're messy tenants anyways, and you don't want them anymore, and and the mediator says, well, they're all caught up on rent now, so you know, you know, would you be willing to let them stay? And uh, you can just say, hey, like this, throughout this whole process of them not paying and then not working with us and having no excuses, they're not the type of tenants that we want to be continuing with. Um, we're and there was no, you know, trust has been lost, and we don't trust that they're going to be making the payments anymore on time. So we'd like to continue on with them, you know, in terminating the lease. Okay. And you could say that and you have the right to, you have that right. They can't argue that. The mediator can't say no. They'll try and convince you otherwise. You know what I mean? They'll try and, they'll try and just, you know, see if they can resolve this issue so that the tenant doesn't have to leave in the middle of January. But at the end of the day, they, they are in substantial breach of the, of the agreement, the lease agreement, and you have the right to terminate it. So, um, as long as you say it respectfully, um, Wow. Sorry, I just saw a really interesting uh, person just join the show. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just completely distracted me. Um, yeah, oh, so no. <laughs> the 
just flooding our, our live stream. Um, when you go into the hearing, you know, like I said, just very, very respectful. And uh, I'm going to see if I can remove this person from uh, just got to be if you can continue on with the process for the hearing and what normally happens. Um, once you get a judgment, you get a, you know, you take it to the court of Queen's Mansion, you serve it. Do you mind going through that process? Yeah. Oh, it's been a while. But yeah, once you get your judgment, um, they um, send you to file the documents um, at the Court of Queen's Bench. So you go and get the, the documents stamped, then you need to go file that on the tenant. So or serve, sorry, that on the tenant. Um, I mean, they all they outline it all pretty, pretty well. There's it's not like it's a hard process. It's just kind of time consuming and needing to serve. I'm actually mm -hmm. not sure because it's been a while since we've gone through the process. Um, but when COVID hit, they switched to where you were able to um, serve documents by email. So, oh, that was so long as it was a previous means of communication, yeah. though. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I don't think that would apply in this situation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's like all of the serving of documents is probably the hardest part <laughs> of yeah. the whole process. Because um, as long as you have your evidence, as long as you're cool, come and collect, um, you know, like, you should have no problem getting the judgment, but then it's like being able to actually serve them. And yeah. um, that's kind of the harder part. But um, yeah, if you get the judgment that they need to be out, then. Um, They're going to probably still be there living there. Sorry, well, I was dealing with this thing on the, on the live stream here. But um, when you get your judgment, the, the tenant's very likely still yes. going to be there. Yeah. Right. And if they're not there, then they moved out. Yeah. So you can just serve it at the door. Yes. Serve notice oh. on the door. Um, yeah, just serve notice on the door. And if they're gone, fantastic. Um, serve notice on the door and then, uh, you know, however much time they have. Now, in the event that they don't leave within the specified time on their judgment. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the, um, depends on the judgment that you get. A lot of times the mediator will give them a period of time, a reasonable amount of time in order to get their things out to, you know, yeah. get a moving truck. So normally seven days, four days, something like that, depending on how extreme the circumstances are. Um, so if they don't move out within the specified time allotted on the, the judgment, then at that particular point, you can take that judgment and go and file for a writ of enforcement. Um, you do that at the Court of Queen's bench as well. The writ of enforcement gives you the ability to, um, to hire a bailiff. Yeah, to have Because again, left. you can't physically remove someone, even with the judgment. You have to get a writ of enforcement and then you can hire a bailiff for, there's bailiff services in Edmonton and, and most cities approximately $600. Um, the bailiff is a sheriff, so they have the ability to go there. They knock on the door. They can unlock the door. They will walk in. They will say, time to get out. They will remove them physically if needed. And then they will give the, they will wait there with the tenants while they remove their items. Mm -hmm. um, so give them a period of time. I, I can't remember. I feel like there's a, there's a specific period of time, like an hour or something like that, where they will wait with them. I, I have to look into it again, where they will wait with them. Wilson says they're not cheap. Yeah, that's correct. Um, they'll wait with them to remove their items. And then they'll also wait while your locksmith changes the locks as well. Mm -hmm. And then they're out. Now, if any items are left behind, then there's, you know, there's, there's rules about, you know, whether you have to store them for a period of time as well, definitely look into that. I'll give you the quick answer. If the, if the, the items that are left behind are in excess of $2,000 in value, mm -hmm. you have to pay to store them for 30 days. Um, whether that be in that house, they stay there, 
or in a storage container or something along those lines, the cost, you have to cover that cost for 30 days. And then at the end of the 30 days, you can either throw all the items out and pay for to have it removed, or you can sell them uh, the items in order to recoup some of your, your lost expenses. Um, you need to document it all. It's a bit of a process, I guess. <laughs> I'm just forgetting. Like, it's it's very items. simple because we understand it, right? We got to take pictures of all the items and, and, and track their, you know, their, what you believe to be their value. If you sell them, you got to track how much you sold them for, et cetera. Keep a ledger. Um, after Now you got to hold it for 30 days because you have to give them the opportunity to come and pick up their stuff within 30 days. Mm-hmm. If they want to pick it up, they have to pay you the storage fees first. And I believe, I'm not 100%, they also have to pay you the owed expenses as well. Any unpaid yeah, I'm rents. Sure, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% on that one. Yeah. I know if at the very least they need to pay you the expense for storage first before you can release it to them within the 30 days. Um, okay. That's that. Now you got all the stuff out. Now they, you know, they've picked up all their stuff. They're moved out. The locks are uh, changed. They're gone. Um, if you need to go after them for, you know, um, collections, you use your writ of enforcement to hire a collection agency. You can file it at the at the registry, the Alberta registry. Um, so it prevents them from renewing their license. It prevents them. It goes on their credit. It prevents them from getting any credit cards or any any phone um, plans or anything like that. And you can also take it to their bank. If you know their bank institution, you can go down there and they can freeze their account and pull any money out of their account. Um, lots of, lots of different things you can do with a writ of enforcement in order to get your, uh, your money back. But now that you've got possession of the property back, it's all done. Um, you can clean it up and then re-rent it. Okay. Um, so I think yesterday when we were chatting, Wayne, you said that I had to put a notice on their door and then, um, take a picture. What is that an eviction notice or that is that the notice of hearing? What notice is it that, um, you were referring to? Um, if you're going to do the 14 day eviction notice, which is not mm-hmm. required, um, mm-hmm. post on the door and take a picture. If you're okay. going to, if it's your, that that's, if you're going to do that, but if not, then you have a notice of hearing already. Go right. and do that today. Go tape it to the door and take a picture. Well, you okay. don't, you need to try to serve that a few different times, days and times, try to serve it to the person. If it's on the door, it's totally fine. No. Is it? Yeah, you need to try to serve it on them three different times, different days, different times of oh, days, and you right. need to um, to speak to that as well. Uh, what? So you need to document like when you went, what time you went, nobody answered, then you went a different day at a different time of day. So maybe the first day you tried the morning, second day you tried afternoon, third day you tried evening. Then if nobody's still answering, you can post it on the door and take a picture. My bad. Yeah. Oh, My bad. Okay. Yeah, and um, then yeah, you then like Wilson says, then go to the commissioner of oaths to um, to file that to make the claim that you tried to serve them in person didn't work. You can so do that did. online now, can't you? Uh, probably. It's all on the website. Yeah. So um, under there's a tab probably for serving requirements. Um, if I re- if I remember correctly, there's a tab you know specifically for how to serve, and just read the rules there on, on exactly how to do it. Because uh, they will ask you, you know, how did you serve them? Were, they'll ask the tenant, were you properly served? And they'll be like, no, I never got this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or something along those lines. So you want to make sure that you have the dates and the times that you, you know, that you tried to serve it to them. And then I, then I served it on the door on this date. Here's the picture to provide the proof, et cetera. Yeah. Um, just to make sure that they were properly served. 
Um, Wilson says, sounds more challenging than it is. And that's just how, I don't know. I don't, sometimes I, I overcomplicate things. Um, but he says, still way better than Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. It's, it's a fair system. We've talked about this in the past. Um, our landlord laws are very fair. So there is a process. It is a huge pain in the ass to get them out, but it's way better than other provinces. Yeah, at least we can get them out. <laughs> at least we can. Um, Wilson also says some companies serve tenants and do a commissioner vaults for about fifty dollars. It's sometimes cheaper than you burning gas multiple times than paying a commissioner vaults. That is true. Um, but yeah, hopefully that's uh, that's valuable there, Aurora. I mean, um, feel free to, to call in tomorrow again if you want. If you you know with your <laughs> more questions with more questions or, or developments <laughs> on it. Um, I know a lot of people. This is something that scares people away from taking action and buying property. So yeah. you know, this is extremely valuable. And uh, and thank you so much for calling in. Thank you guys. Bye bye. You're welcome. Bye. Have a great day. <laughs> Okay, Gabby's giving me the wrap it up. We are eight minutes over. Thank you so much, um, Sakaya and Aurora, for calling in today. And uh, we never got into the secondary suites. Yeah. That um, <laughs> was it. Was it Alyssa? What? Uh, the, someone called in yesterday. Was it Orion. Alyssa that called in? Orion. Orion. Okay. Orion called in. Uh, if you are on, buddy, um, you know, let's join in tomorrow. Uh, call in, and we'll talk about uh, the secondary suites. Nope. Um, we have Barry McGuire here tomorrow. Oh, never mind. Friday. <laughs> on Friday. Tomorrow, we have we got a special guest. Barry McGuire's coming in, um, and he's going to be talking about rent-own. So join us tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. live, and uh, we will see you then. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.